You're listening to Vox Talk, the voiceover industry's number one podcast, brought to you by Voices.com. It's about voice acting, growing your business, and sharing your knowledge. Vox Talk is a show that you can be a part of. Getting involved is both fun and rewarding. It's time for this week's episode of Vox Talk with your host, Stephanie Cicerelli. Hi there, welcome to the show. This week, Carmi and I are going to talk about a number of topics, including Adam Sandler and Netflix, the NBA deal with Time Warner, and of course, a little bit of some other things, which you'll find out in just a minute. The Biz, helping you grow your voiceover business. All right, now Adam Sandler has made the news and uh, it's connected to Netflix. Carmi, tell us a little bit about this. This is a deal, Stephanie, that's going to absolutely shake up the entertainment world. He signed a deal with Netflix to produce four feature films, but instead of introducing them or premiering them in movie theaters, they're going to premiere first on Netflix online. No way. Uh, uh, way, like absolutely. Way? Oh, this oh is, my gosh. And, and to me, this is huge because up until now, really, the movie theater has been king, queen, and the entire court that's um, right and you know and and if you were netflix you were basically back of the line you had to wait until it went it, it finished being in theaters then it went to home video dvd and blu-ray and then it went to broadcast and you know maybe a, you know 10 months 12 months 18 months later it would be available for netflix netflix said you know what that's frustrating the internet is really the future of content distribution and consumption. We've got to go there. And so they essentially went to one of their most bankable stars. Remember, Netflix knows what we watch, when we watch it, and how we watch it because they're watching our activities online. And their data tells them that Adam Sandler, even though a lot of people you know, think he's a little bit silly, mm-hmm. uh, is huge. He's yeah. incredibly popular on Netflix. And so go with what people want. So they gave him a call and he said, you know what? Yeah, let's try something different. Let's shake things up. And let's face it, this is shaking things up. It certainly is. And as you said, Netflix is always kind of at the end of the line. But what they're doing is really saying, actually, we're at the front of the line now. And they're totally turning the tables. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what happens with this. This is going to be neat. I mean, I'm a Netflix subscriber. I'm sure many of our listeners are. You know, this really is increasingly taking up more of our screen time. Um, but, you know, going forward, it isn't just going to be rehashed movies and TV shows. It's going to be originally produced content like House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, uh, the sequel to the Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon movie, which was also just announced uh, from Netflix, uh, and now coming up four new movies from Adam Sandler. Uh, you know, the movie theater as we know it, I don't think it's going to go extinct, but it is going to evolve because of this. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of value they add to that in-theater experience. And Netflix is a great way to discover content that maybe you've heard of but haven't seen. And because you missed that season or the next season even, or maybe even the third or the fourth season, you can actually jump in and still go back. I know we did this with Downton Abbey, in fact. And now we've gotten to the end of the three seasons that are available. It's like, oh my goodness, we can't wait. So um, I think this should open up a number of wonderful doors for people who want to produce content and just get it out there and have it surfaced in a way. You know, it's, it could be a brave new world for them. I think it is. And I, I think this is good news for anyone who is producing content, it's good news for for anyone who is a, who is contributing talent to the industry. Simply because Netflix shaking things up tends to uh, move from you know, blo- you know the, the trend toward blockbusters, which really does not favor the little guy. Um, it's going to even things out a little bit. Smaller productions that might not have seen the light of day now have a greater chance of seeing that light of day. Uh, and so, if you are if your talent now, you have more places to sell your 
talent too. Uh, and this is going to open up the market. It's going to grow the market. We're moving toward what we like to call a multi-platform future. And the fact that you've got a heavy hitter like Netflix driving that agenda means there's going to be more work for all of us in the very near future. And that's, quite frankly, a really good news story. Mm -hmm. And another good news story, I think, is this whole idea of the NBA and the Walt Disney Company. Yeah, this is another one. You know, basically, the NBA, it, it, what they do, like any other sports league, they sell the rights for media, for broadcasting games and related uh, uh, activities to particular broadcasters for a specific length of time, for a specific amount of money. So Time Warner and Disney have uh, have had the rights for a number of years. They're paying about $440, $450 million a piece per year. Uh, the, new, the, the new deal, not announced, but uh, insiders say about triple the amount and the neat thing here is that part of this deal is that ESPN, the sports network, is going to be launching a new online service just that will stream live sports, which you haven't really seen a whole lot of online, um, and you don't have to already be an ESPN subscriber. So, you know, again, just like Netflix, shaking things up significantly, changing the way we consume content. Now we're not stuck watching it just on our TV at a particular time. If we want, we can save it. We can take it on our tablet with us, maybe watch it on the bus or on the subway on the way to work. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the voices will be probably people who are working uh, and listed on Voices.com. I imagine they're going to have a lot of opportunities that come through our channel. Uh, but I also want to raise some awareness about the Voice Arts Awards and how the nominee list has actually just come out. And a number of those people are Voices.com talent, which makes us quite pleased and, and proud to see their names there. Big time. And I, I love the legitimacy of these awards. They, they give legitimacy to this field. So the first annual awards, it's really our our communities, our industry's opportunity to stand up and say, hey, this is work that matters. It contributes significantly to the entertainment landscape. Um, and if you look at the at the nominees list, uh, check out VoiceOver Times. We've already got the list up there. We'll talk more about it next week. But take a look and see who's there. Some of them are names that you know. Some of them are names that you don't. Lots of folks who are already working on are on there. And it's incredibly exciting to see them getting the recognition that they so richly deserve because it starts a conversation and it gets people thinking, hey, Maybe I should be using voice talent and in integrating voice work into my future projects. So this grows the, the, the possibility of business for all of us. That's right. And I know I'll actually be at the event, which is exciting too. So we'll be covering this on and off as it comes up and, and certainly during the event and afterwards. So if you want any news on the Voice Arts Awards and, and even That's VoiceOver, which is of course happening around that same time, then just stay tuned to Vox Talk and we'll be sure to fill you in. Tech Talk walking you through the technological landscape. The beautiful thing about technology is that there's humanity behind it. And I think we've seen this in many different cases, especially in the work that we do, where voice plays such a significant role in communicating a message. But um, I think there's some really interesting character work that's been done over the last few decades that has really struck a chord with people and just recently, in fact, has come to light in a, a new and exciting way. So, Carmi, can you tell us a little bit more about what's going on with just the transformation 
Transformers universe, and, and also I think Toy Story works its way into this too. It absolutely does, and whoever thought I'd be writing about Transformers and Toy Story in the same article, but uh, this is amazing. Uh, no one seems to give Transformers the credit that it's due, but truth of the matter is it's an example of how character development can be done right in an animated film. Um, you know, we've often felt the technology takes the soul away from a character that it prevents us from really exploring what it is that makes a character real, whole, human. Um, but this is an example where, you know, really Peter Cullen, who has voiced the character for much of the last 30 years, um, used a very personal example. His brother, Larry, had been a Vietnam veteran. He was wounded in battle. Um, he came back a changed man, like so many other soldiers from that era, from any area who've been in battle. And um, he essentially told him, you know, if you're going to be playing a, a hero truck, then you make it a real hero. It shouldn't just be a cartoon character. Make it human. Uh, and Peter Cullen's been taking that to heart for three decades, uh, to the point that the character Optimus Prime is so much more than the, the two-dimensional cartoon character that anyone might have thought that it would be, or that any other cartoon character ultimately was, um, to the point that I can watch Transformer films uh, and any content with my kids and read it and feel it and see it on a level that is, is way beyond what any cartoon has any right to be. Yes, Peter Collin gave an absolutely beautiful speech just the last week or so. Um, he was in front of the Chinese theater and, you know, putting his hands in the cement like most of those wonderful famous people do when they're given the opportunity and, and write their name. Um, but something I think that he did that was very interesting was indeed the story that he told. The story of how his brother really informed how he approached that role at that critical time. And, and it's it's a lovely story because we seem to think that just because we're using technology, and this is where Toy Story comes in, it, is, it was really the first major blockbuster CGI animated film. And I remember at the time when it came out, and quite frankly, whenever every other Pixar film came out, uh, there was always debate over whether, you know, does this uh, you know, foreshadow the end of movies as we know them? Is technology going to take over? You know, it's another variation of the will robots take over. Yeah. Uh, and, and the answer, as we've seen with both Transformers, Optimus Prime, as well as uh, Sheriff Woody on Pixar, as well as the entire Roundup gang, the answer is an emphatic no. Um, in fact, you have, these are great examples of incredible writing, uh, as well as incredible voice work. And you put the two together, where you, you're given great source material that a voice actor then takes part of him or herself and makes it real. Um, you essentially have characters that n not only stand the test of time, they, they really do become classics. And I think it's fair to say in these both cases, they really are. That's true. And I think what we also need to think about at this point is how an individual actor's approach to a role may be very different from how someone else might do it. Uh, so obviously Tom Hanks was kind of like, we want Tom in this film. You know, people were very sure about that decision to have him voice Woody. But, and some people don't know this, but the role of Buzz Lightyear was actually offered to Billy Crystal before it was offered to Tim Allen. And Billy Crystal did, you know, he regrets it now, did turn the role down. But you can only wonder, well, would Billy's interpretation have been the same as what Tim did? And was Tim's role in all of this, like the way, obviously the way it was meant to be, because it clearly happened that way. But you, you might wonder the what ifs, you know, or what, what if someone else was cast as Optimus Prime instead of Peter Cullen? Like, 
would the Transformers even be relevant today? Or would they just be another Saturday morning cartoon that no one remembers from the 80s? I often love playing that game, you know, what if? Because if you think of all the moving parts that have to come together to make a film or a series uh, a reality, uh, any one change can result in a, in a, you know, it can go from being just something regular to a classic or vice versa. It can just be, you know, relegated to just the annals of history, dusty history. But, you know, in this case, you know, we'll never know. We'll never know if a, if a Billy Crystal-voiced Buzz Lightyear would have changed the tone of Toy Story to the point that it wouldn't have been a classic. We do know that Billy Crystal went on to join Monsters University as Mike Wazowski, and obviously that's a hugely successful part of the Pixar story. Um, but I think this underlines just how, how much a voice actor brings to a particular role, and that the, you're not just voicing it. You're not just showing up, talking into a mic, and walking away. You are acting, and it is every bit as vital, in fact, in many cases, more so as it is when the camera is on you because you only have your voice to evoke to emote that character and to make it come alive and you know certainly Tom Hanks and Tim Allen succeeded beyond any anyone's wild imagination we'll never know if any, if anyone else would have done the same but that's part of the magic of movies and one of the cool things about just this whole topic of discussion is that a human, you know, the humanity piece was infused into technology. And so you can look at Optimus Prime, you can look at, oh, someone's cheering for him. I know, they're everywhere, fans we are always everywhere. Cheer Peter for Cullen Optimus. is everywhere. <laughs> no, his fans, anyway. Um, but what I think is really, really cool is that he was able to take uh, a robot for all intents and purposes and one without a soul because what it's come from outer space it's not like us it's yeah, not a who human knows? how did he know yeah i don't know but but the thing is it's like oh my gosh these fans are rabid these fans are rabid <laughs> we got anyway, lots of transformer fans here at we certainly do. yeah a live studio audience so but at any rate um what i think is is crucial to point out is that despite it being some transformer from some other place from who knows where wow they really dig him. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> what I think is, is awesome is that Peter, because of his brother, and I think it is really truly because of his brother, was able to bring that, that humanity, that core of, you know, like there is purpose in what I'm doing. Like there is uh, truth, justice, mercy, all these different elements that he was able to bring into that character to make him real, to make him more human, even though he was a robot. Like you need that because how on earth are we going to actually resonate with that character, that two-dimensional boxed-up truck. Like, how can you connect on that deep level unless you feel that they actually can feel like you do? And the same with that toy. You know, pull the little string at the back and, and Woody will say whatever he's going to say. But, you know, you have a toy nonetheless. This is... Um, you know, it's an inanimate object, really. It's something that isn't alive, it's not breathing, yet Tom Hanks, because he knows people, he knows how we think and how we, we just process things, and, and the emotional depth that he was able to bring to that character was awe-inspiring, and he could connect with parents, he could connect with the children, he knew what it was to be, um, you know, rejected, and how to deal with that pain, and then he also, as I know we talked about this earlier, Carmi, but you said that he could see opportunities and uh, maybe you could speak a bit to how Woody was able to overcome. He was the inveterate optimist. It didn't matter what kind of challenges he faced. They lost Buzz in the bushes. 
they ended up in a box and they couldn't get out. They ended up halfway across town with no way back home. He was the one who was pushing everyone on his team in his makeshift family uh, to get them back home, to find the opportunity to dispense with the negativity and focus on the positive. What can we do, not what can't we do? And as an adult watching a movie like this with my kids, I realize they're seeing it on one level. It's a cutesy cartoon character. We are seeing it on completely another, which is one of the reasons why Pixar films, especially Toy Story, tend to resonate on that level and why they've become classics. Because you had true pros like Tom Hanks, who clearly our audience loves them too, mm-hmm. uh, who, were, who were able to take that character and make it human, make it come alive in a way that was relatable to us. And if you're a voice professional and you're watching and listening to a performance like this, you're thinking, you know, next time you go into the studio, next time you're standing in front of a mic, think, what am I bringing to this character? What of me is going to end up in this character that will serve as a lesson for anyone who then consumes this character in whatever work that we're recording? Uh, Don't just voice the, 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 the piece. Don't just sort of turn in a performance and call it a day but really make it your own. And to me, I think that's what separates uh, the Pixars. It's what separates the Transformers from the run of the mill. And it's why we remember them and not the others. Well said, Carmi. Thank you. Thanks, Stephanie. Now, there's another topic. I know we're going to touch on this one just quickly, and it, it isn't on the epic scale of Pixar and, and you know, the, the way they're able to do awesome things. Uh, but there is something called Alo. So would you tell us a little bit about Alo and if we should get involved? Hello, it's ELLO, and the website is ELLO.co if you want to sign up for it. And it is basically an anti-Facebook social media site or service. Uh, so a lot of people who use Facebook love Facebook, of course. But you know, sometimes they wonder, you know, wh- what would it be like if I didn't have as many ads on my page? Um, and so LO basically says, okay, we're going to be like Facebook, but we're not going to put ads. And data, we're going to be very clear about how we share data. Um, and we're going we're gonna to just put it out there for all the world to see. And it sounds great in theory, and it's gotten a lot of a buzz over the last uh, few weeks, a lot of attention. A lot of people are saying, hey, maybe I should be going here instead of on Twitter. Uh, but truth of the matter is, I signed up for it. I got an invitation, and I've been using it, and I'm trying to find a reason for it. Uh, and I'm not finding one because, quite frankly, everyone I know is already on Facebook. Everyone I know is already on Twitter. And unless Elo offers up something, that you see, you see, they're they're all there. They all they all just posted to my wall. And, <laughs> and they're all and and unless Elo offers something that the other guys don't, and right now it doesn't. It doesn't have a mobile app. It doesn't have other things. Then there really isn't a compelling reason for me to abandon what I'm using and switch over to it. And it raises the question: If you are a voice professional, if you are producing content, if you're out there in the industry, you're using social media to grow your business, to market yourself, to connect with people who you need to connect with to both buy and to sell. Um, And quite honestly, you don't have a whole lot of free time on your hands. And so are you going to take what precious little time you have already using services like like Facebook and Twitter and use it on new social media services? Probably not. I think you'd want to think twice about it at this point in time. Voxbox, sharing your audio feedback. I had an interesting experience happen to me this morning, and it got me wondering, has it happened to you as well? I was doing a live television interview in an open parking lot of all places in the middle of Waterloo, Ontario. Uh, Before dawn, Mother Nature, of course, did not uh, comply. It was freezing outside. There were heaters all over the place. And just before I went to air on national television, uh, there I was sitting there shivering, and it got me thinking... 
how is this going to affect my voice? How is this going to affect my ability to perform at a critical moment? Will my voice hold up? And, and it makes me wonder, you know, if you're out there and, for example, you're rushing to get to the studio, you arrive at the studio and you're out of breath, or the temperature is really cold, or it's really warm, or it's really humid, or you're not feeling quite yourself, the conditions just aren't perfect, aren't absolutely right, uh, or you're feeling stressed, does that affect your ability to deliver the performance, the performance that you need to do. Uh, we want to hear it from you. Uh, please uh, you know, either uh, leave a comment on the Vox Talk page uh, or tweet us at the hashtag Vox Talk. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for joining us. Remember to continue the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag Vox Talk. I'm Stephanie Cicerelli and of course joined by Carmi Levy. We'll see you next week.